When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Well, isn't this refreshing? A happy Rico Bronia, a series winning Rico Bronia. As the New York Mets have stunned us. They have won a series against one of the many, 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 many teams they trail in the National League, the San Francisco Giants. And this on the heels of a brutal Friday loss to really cap off one of the worst months you could ever see, the June swoon of 2023. But it all turned around thanks to the bald head of Pete Hoffman. He shaved his head. What day did you shave your head? Was it Friday, Pete, that you did that? Yeah, I did did it on Friday, but it was still June, so whatever. We'll move on. (laughs) And I showed up. What I had to do was I had to actually walk into City Field. I didn't tell anybody that, which I did. July 1st, I was there Saturday when the winning streak began. Wow. Okay. So I won't penalize you for Friday because it's funny. When we go back and look at these games, and it's easier to gloss over it now because they won Saturday, they won Sunday, they won a series. But Friday night's game was just... I mean, it was as bad of a kick to the balls as we've seen all year, you know, when you really think about it. But it was June. It was June on the calendar. And as soon as that calendar flipped to July, we got Justin Verlander dominating the Mets, hitting a bunch of home runs, and they went back-to-back games. Now, we'll get to all three games. There's a lot of other things to discuss. Pete Alonso in the home run derby, some of the odd comments Buck Showalter's made over the last few days, why Bobby Bonilla Day pisses me off. And we'll think back to the worst June swoon that we've ever seen, and it wasn't this year. But before we get started, nothing's been fixed. I want to make that clear. While we may enjoy ourselves on this, Rico, and I'm happy the Mets won, and I'm happy they won a series, and it felt good walking out of City Field Sunday night, sun in hand, chanting, let's go, Mets. I don't want anybody to think that anything is fixed. They were bound to win a series. The Oakland A's have won series. The Kansas City Royals have won series. So it's going to take a lot more than two out of three against the Giants to say, okay, the run has begun. With that said, I'll I'll call out the positives, and we'll certainly talk about the positives. But this franchise and this team has a long way to go. They got a long way to go to not only just being in a pennant race, but avoiding what could be an odd sell-off over the next few weeks. And I think we're going to find out a lot on this upcoming trip. We'll spend some time on that. The three games in Arizona, the three games against San Diego going into the All-Star break, what they do on this West Coast trip could help determine where this thing is going. But let's go back to Friday because 
The Mets open up this series against the San Francisco Giants after losing three out of four to the Milwaukee Brewers. And early on, it felt okay. You know, it felt good. They they actually scored a first inning run on Friday, which was stunning. Jeff McNeil hit an RBI double. I mean, when you think about all that, a first inning run, an extra base hit by Jeff McNeil, an early Met lead, like none of that makes sense. That none, none of those are things we've seen throughout this season. But they took an early one nothing lead. Carlos Carrasco immediately gives it back. They immediately take it back with some shoddy San Francisco Giant defense. The Giants tie the game in the fifth inning. The Mets come back and tie the game again or take the lead again on another RBI double by Jeff McNeil. And that was the weird one. That was the one that made me think, okay, maybe things are turning. Because in the fifth inning of this game, after Francisco Lindor got absolutely robbed by Luis Matos on this great running catch, Jeff McNeil comes up with a runner on first base and two outs and hits a ball down the left field line that is clearly touched by a fan. A fan reaches over and grabs it. 99% of the time, the umpires will just automatic double. The runner's on first, he goes to third. Very rarely will they allow a runner to score. And in the rare times that they do it, it's just so obvious. It's like one of those, well, he was 1,000% going to score, Let's put him on home plate. One quick interlude. It's not Met related, but it is related to a ruling like this. The great collapse of 04, the Yankee collapse against the Red Sox, does not happen if umpires are aggressive. Tony Clark, who's now you know the head of the Players Association, but Tony Clark had a, what could have been an RBI double in extra innings against the Red Sox in game five, I think it was, not game four, game five. They didn't rule the runner to score. They called it second and third, two outs. Next guy made out. A few innings later, the Red Sox won. If they were aggressive in saying, hey, and the runner would have scored on that, by the way, that Tony Clark double. Go back and watch it on YouTube. Runner would have definitely have scored, but umpires in general don't get overly involved. They just say second and third call it a day. On the Jeff McNeil double in the fifth inning, I didn't think Brandon Nimmo was going to score. So not only is it not obvious that Nimmo's going to score, I don't think he's going to score. And you see the umpires rule, yeah, we're going to give Nimmo home. And I was stunned. I was stupefied by this. They then go to replay, which I totally understand because Gabe Kapler's thinking, come on, what what are we doing here? But because they don't want to overrule things, and that's one thing we've certainly learned about replay, and we saw that on Saturday as well, I wasn't positive they were going to overrule it, because the umpires on the field were awarding Brandon Nimmo home. But that was stunning. Like, that is that is a call you never, ever, ever see, especially on something that we could literally debate for an hour on if Brandon Nimmo was going to score. If it's a debate, they're not going to put the guy on home. But they did. And it gave the Mets the lead. And I thought to myself, and I was hours behind watching this game. Actually, you know what? I don't think I was hours behind on Friday. I was like a half hour behind. But I was thinking to myself, okay, maybe the worm's going to turn here. Because this is a big break. This is a pretty big break to be given a run like this. And it didn't. (laughs) I mean, the spoiler is even after Tommy Pham hit a home run and gave them a two-run lead, The collapse was stunning because it came from the one guy who has not collapsed all year for the most part, and that's David Robertson. 
And think about this. You get five good innings out of Carlos Carrasco, which is a stunner. And I got no issue with Buck pulling him after the five and the 92 pitches. He gets four great outs from Jeff Brigham, which is stunning. He gets great work from Brooks Raleigh. Not as stunning, but Brooks Raleigh comes in and does the job. And he goes to David Robertson in the eighth inning with a two-run lead. Totally on board with that because the Giants at the time had the heart of the batting order coming up. So this fit right with what Buck has done a lot of and what I'm good with, which is, hey, let me use my best reliever against their best hitters. And it was so innocuous. He strikes out Wilma Flores, one out, nobody on up by two. And then everything changed on the Pete Alonso error. Pete Alonso commits a bad error with one out and nobody on. But even then, I'm not expecting the cave or the roof to cave in. He issues the walk to J.D. Davis. And then this Patrick Bailey, who's just an incredible story when you think about it, because he was never putting up big numbers in the minor leagues. He's in the major leagues now and as a switch hitting catcher is hitting well over 300. And it's been tremendous for San Francisco. Stunningly hits this bomb of a three-run home run. And I'm sitting there. I wasn't at the game. I'm sitting there in my uh, bedroom just stupefied. Like, you got to be effing kidding me. Like, really? You know, as much as we wait for the other shoe to drop, I think what really alarmed me about Friday is I didn't expect the other shoe to drop. I, I genuinely thought after the gift run they were given, with David Robertson on the mound, even after the Alonzo error, I actually thought, hey, we're going to win this game. Not not that it's going to fix everything, but okay, we're going to win the opener against San Francisco. Probably lose the next two games, but we're going to win the opener. And when Bailey hit that ball to center field, and I'm watching Nimmo dart back, I, I was stunned. And I think that's what made the subsequent loss because... They lost, and they didn't really put up much fight in the eighth and ninth inning, including Starling Marte getting caught stealing as he pinch ran for Luis Guillorme. But it was just a stunning loss. It was – I didn't feel that one coming, Pete. Did you feel that one coming? Because that was a slap out of nowhere. No, I, I same here, and, and it was – neither did the team. Like, because here's the thing is we know that they could score in, like, bunches, and then once they're done, they're done. And once that home run took place, like the offense was dead. You could just see it. it. It's like it's done. And like we got lucky with the Guillaume walk. But even how after Marte gets picked off the next pitch, Nimmo strikes out. And like the reaction from the fans, the reaction from Nimmo, I don't, we didn't even know what happened. No one even yeah. knew he struck out. It was so weird. Well, I think I think what happened was, so if you're forgetting what happened in that ninth inning, one out, nobody on, Luis Guillorme's pinch hitting for Omar Narvaez, and I mean, which is, it's like crap for crap, basically. And to Guillorme's credit, he worked a walk against Camilo Duvall. It was a good at-bat by Guillorme, works out a walk. He immediately gets pinch run for by Marte. Marte got back-to-back off days because I think Buck tried to fix him after what happened on Thursday, by sitting him back-to-back days. So he didn't didn't even use him as a pinch hitter. And there certainly would have been opportunities to. I mean, you could have used him as a pinch hitter instead of Guillaume. I mean, think about that. Like, logic would have said, why aren't you using him? You could have used him earlier in the game when they pinch hit for Daniel Vogelback, but it was earlier in the game. So, <laughs> excuse me, so maybe you don't want to. You also could have used him when they pinched hit for Mendick, who had pinched hit for Vogelback. They used Francisco Alvarez, which creates that awkward spot of, hey, if the Mets had come back and tied the game, they were going to lose the designated hitter. So clearly Buck 
and I, I don't have a problem with this, by the way. Clearly, Buck was saying, I don't want Marte batting. I want to give him a true mental off day for a couple of days from playing offense. I'll send him in there as a pinch runner because he's fast and maybe he could steal a base, but I don't want him taking an at-bat, which after what happened on Thursday, fine. Like I, I didn't have a, a huge issue with that. But after Guillaume draws the walk, he immediately goes to Marte, who gets caught stealing. And I think where the confusion was, I don't think the crowd realized when Nimmo swung and missed that there were two strikes on him. So I think that's what led to the kind of confused crowd. But it was it was a terrible ending because the Mets in the ninth inning are only down by a run. And remember, they got through a tricky spot in the top of the ninth inning. Grant Hartwig got into trouble and got a huge ground out of J.D. Davis with a couple of guys on base to keep it a one-run game. So not that any of us thought they were going to come back, but it was a one-run game. It wasn't a five-run game. It wasn't a three-run game. And the Mets finally get caught stealing. That was the other thing. They, they had this incredible streak of, what was it, 34 in a row, 35 in a row. And in the worst spot possible to get caught, Stalling Marte gets caught. And he was caught. Like It wasn't even a question. That was... that game ends and I seriously thought to myself, I can't watch anymore. I got to take a break. Like I I don't want to watch Saturday. I got to take a break. Now I never got that far because of course, by Saturday night uh, on DVR, I think I got home at 1130 at night, had some things on Saturday. I looked at my DVR. I looked at my scorebook and I said, of course I'm going to watch. Like who's who am I kidding? Of course I'm going to sit down and watch this game. And luckily, things started to turn because Friday, I, I don't know where this season's going. It's probably going nowhere, obviously. I think we're all, we've pretty much all come to that conclusion. But we had talked about rock bottom a lot. This is rock bottom. That's rock bottom. I do hold out hope that Friday against the Giants was rock bottom. Doesn't mean the Mets are making the playoffs. Doesn't mean something magical is about to happen. But, you know, I do at least hope they're going to be good enough to give us some relevant baseball over the next couple of weeks and months. And if that's not rock bottom, we're screwed. We have to hope that's rock bottom. 10 games under 10 games under 500, blowing a game in the eighth inning out of absolute nowhere. Yeah, that that would have been, at least that's the way it felt, that it was rock bottom. They come back on Saturday. This one I was on extreme DVR for, I admit that. Got back, started this game at like 1130 at night. And Justin Verlander, I'll start with him, was really good. It was. It was good to see. It was good to see vintage Justin Verlander. And I thought where Verlander was his most vintage self was in the seventh inning, his final inning in this game, in which he got into trouble. Not helped out by bad defense again by Pete Alonso, who did not have a great defensive weekend. And really, the Mets defensively had a crappy weekend overall. Like, despite winning two out of three, they kicked the ball around way too much. Not good. De- and their defense this season sucked. And that was after the first month of the year where they were pretty clean. Like, they they were clean the first month of the year. I don't know what the hell's happened. But what I thought was great about Verlander is he really pumped up that fastball when he needed to in the seventh inning of this game, which is something I remember seeing from afar with Verlander, where he knew, okay, this may be my last pitch. This is going to be my biggest out. I got to find a way through it. And he did in that seventh inning. It was a shaky inning, but ultimately he only gave up one run that was unearned. 
He was given a 4 nothing lead when the Mets hit the three home runs in the third inning. Francisco Alvarez went oppo, which was beautiful to see. Brandon Nemo has been on a power surge. He's overall had a pretty good offensive season. And even Francisco Lindor hit one for his 17th home run of the year. They gave Verlander the insurance. Tommy Pham. And I think we need to spend some time on Tommy Pham because this is ridiculous. Tommy Pham has played every single day since the Atlanta series. I'll tell you exactly when it started. When Pete Alonso got drilled by Charlie Morton, Tommy Pham came into the game that day and actually produced. He has started every single game since. And I think at first we were like, ah, Tommy Pham. We really need to see Tommy Pham. I know I said that a few times. But then eventually you come around because he's performing. I mean, this is a performance business. He's performing. Of course, I want him out there every day. And Tommy Pham plays every single day, mostly left field, sometimes DH, and he gets two hits every day. He hits a bomb once every couple of days. He's on base three times every single game. It really is incredible what Tommy Pham has done. Tommy Pham has, mo- has blossomed into the MVP of the New York Mets. Now, what does that mean when you're, you know, eight games under 500 may not mean much, may not be an award you want. But man, this guy's been awesome. And I think I said this on the last Rico that Tommy Pham should bat second. It took Buck until Sunday night. He did it. He finally said, F it. He's my guy. I'm going to bat Tommy Pham number two. So, you know, we can read off the numbers if you want to hear it, but I think we all know it. If you're watching the Mets every day, he's getting two hits every single night. He has been so ridiculously productive. And on that Saturday game, he had an RBI double. What else is new? He's driven in 33 runs this year. He's already got nine home runs. Uh, His batting average continues to soar. And even got robbed in center field that he had a shot that the center fielder uh, ran into the wall. I forgot who the center fielder was. Matos. Yeah, dude. I mean, he has been ridiculous. And listen, this is something that, we they've hoped for with when they brought in like Darren Roth and Vogelback. This is kind of what they were hoping for. They get like lightning in a bottle. We found it with Tommy Finn. Well, he's been more than we could have even imagined because I think initially the thought was he's the right-handed DH. He's more than that. He's the guy he's benched is Mark Hanna. That's the guy who's really suffered playing time the most because Canna was pretty much an everyday left fielder last year. And I think Tommy Pham has essentially taken that job. Now, if the Mets don't get relatively hot, he's also the number one guy to be traded as good as he's been because it's a one-year deal. He's not this good. I mean, Tommy Pham has a resume. He's not this good. And I think I made the comment to Big Mac off air and because the Yankees jump out at us. We watch the Yankees a lot more than every other team. So obviously there are plenty of teams in baseball that can use Tommy Pham. The Yankees aren't the only one. But I said to Big Mac, because the Yankees have no left field. I mean, look at their left field situation. Think about it. And I said to him, literally, I will give you Tommy Pham tomorrow for any one of your relievers. You tell me the reliever you want to send back to me. You want to send Albert Abreu back? Cool. You want to send Ian Hamilton back? Great. Like you, you name any one of your stud relievers, because the Yankees obviously have one of the best bullpens in baseball, the best bullpen in baseball. And you look at the Met bullpen and any guy they send back for Tommy Pham automatically becomes our second or third best reliever. But I, 
But I'm not even joking because unless you believe they're about to go on the West Coast and go win six in a row, Fam's the guy to deal. He's going to be the guy to deal because he's just a vet. You know who he is? He's like a Marlon Bird. Remember Marlon Bird had just this career season? Yeah, you got to cash out. He's not this good. If the Mets were in a pennant race, I'd say, great, keep them. Run them out there every day. But I think the next few weeks will tell us that. We'll, we'll have a better picture of it. You're not trading him today. I know that Aroldis Chapman was traded a few days ago, so it creates the illusion of, well, it's starting. Start trading guys today. Obviously, Escobar was traded. I think those circumstances are different. But, look, Tommy Pham's been amazing. That's the bottom line. 